0: Book 3, Chapter 5 of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de la Berra. Translated by Robert Southey. Book 3, Chapter 5. How Amadis and Don Brunio abode in Gaul, where Don Brunio was well content and Amadis sorrowful, and how Don Brunio resolved to leave Amadis and go seek adventures, and how Amadis and King Perion and Florestan agreed to succour King Luzoarte. After King Kildadon and Don Galloher had departed from Gaul, Amadis and Don Brunio remained there, but much as they loved each other, their lives were now far different, for Brunio being with his Lady Melicia, all other things were put out of his remembrance, and Amadis being absent from Oriana, and with no hope of seeing her, all things were cause of sadness and solitariness one day as he rode forth with only gandalin he went upon the cliffs to see if he could espy any vessels from great britain that he might hear tidings of the land wherein his lady dwelt presently there was seen a bark coming from the wished-for quarter and as it reached the port he said to gandalin go learn what news they bring and learn it well that you may relate all to me this he did that he might be free to think upon his lady in which gandalin always interrupted him so being left alone he alighted and fastened his horse to a tree then sate himself upon a rock that he might look upon great britain and he gazed upon that land remembering how happy he had been there and the tears fell when gandalin came to the bark he saw durin the brother of the damsel of denmark among those who came from on board they embraced as men who well loved each other and went together towards the night as they drew near him they beheld a form like the devil and of giantly size with the back towards them shaking a lance at amadis gandalin cried out and that cry saved amadis for he turned and the lance passed close by his head amadis saw that the devil was aiming another and he avoided it he drew his sword but the giant-like devil ran too fast to be overtaken and took the horse of the knight and mounted crying ah amadis my enemy I am Andondona, the giantess of the dolorous isles, and if I have not fulfilled my desire now, there will come a time wherein I shall be avenged. He was about to follow her on Gandalin's horse, but seeing she was a woman, he said to Gandalin, Mount, and if you can cut off the head of that devil, it will be a good thing. Gandalin went to horse directly, and after her full speed. But when Amadis saw Durin, he embraced him with great pleasure weaning that he brought him news of his lady durian then gave him a letter of oriana it was his credentials your lady sir said he is well and salutes you much and bid you not to be distressed but take comfort as she doth till god shall give you other times and she sent you word that she hath brought forth a son whom i and my sister took to Adalasta, the abbess of miraflores that he might be brought up as my sister's son but he told him nothing how the child was lost. And she beseeches you, said he, by the great love which she bears toward you, not to depart from this country till you receive her bidding. Glad was Amadis to hear of his lady and his child, but that command nothing pleased him, because it might bring his honour in attaint, howbeit let come what would, he would not disobey. Presently, Gandalin returned with the horse of his master, and Anandona's head hanging to the patrol, by her long grey hair. "'How slew you her!' quoth Amadis. "'She galloped towards the shore,' replied the squire, where she had a bark ready. But in her haste to dismount she made the horse rear and fell back, and before she could recover herself, I came up and cut off her head. Amadis then mounted and rode to the town, and sent the head to Don brunio that he might see it. "'When Durin was about to depart, he said, "'Go to my lady, my friend, and tell her that I kiss her hand for the letter and for all that you have told me. "'But beseech her to have regard to my honour, and not make me remain here in sloth, "'for so would the fair renown which I have attained be soon injured, "'the cause not being known, and men being more inclined to slander the good "'than keep their evil tongues silent.' "'So Durin went his way don brunio of Bonamar was now healed of his bodily wound but his love was more kindled by the frequent sight of his lady Melicia and considering that only by performing great feats of arms he could hope to attain so high a lady he said one day to amadis as they were hunting for in that did amadis now pass his time my time of life sir and the little which i have yet achieved command me to change this easy way of life for one whereby i may win more praise of prowess if you are disposed to seek adventures i will keep you company if not give me leave to set forth to-morrow greatly was amadis grieved hereat for full gladly would he have gone forth with him but for his lady's command don brunio replied he i would willingly go in your company whereby much honour might accrue to me but the king my father has forbidden it saying that my presence is needful here because of certain affairs i can therefore only say god be with you that night don brunio spake with melicia and learned from her that if it were her parents will she would cheerfully wed him he then took leave of her and on the following morning departed after mass going where fortune guided him and many and great feats did he in arms which would here be long to relate thirteen months and a half while lszwarta besieged the castle of the boiling lake amadis abode thus in gaul going to the chase and to the mountain for to this he was chiefly inclined meantime his fair renown was obscured and much debased by all who blessed the knight's errand but cursed him for forsaking arms in the best of his life when god had so gifted him above all others dames and damsels who went to him to seek revenge for their wrongs now finding him not as before all proclaimed the shame and though he heard these things and esteemed himself for this cause very unhappy yet neither for this nor for worse things would he have disobeyed his lady thus he remained losing his honour till le knowing how king aravigo and the six kings and arcalaus the enchanter were preparing in the island of leonida to pass over into great britain made ready for his defence but though his great heart and prudence made semblance to think little of this danger not so did the queen but in great trouble spake to all of the loss which the king had brought upon himself in losing amadis and his lineage and if they were here she said she should think lightly of the peril those knights however who had been defeated in the isle of mongaza though they bore no good will to the king yet seeing don galaur with him and don galvanus who was now his vassal and that don brian of mongasta whom the king of spain his father had sent with two thousand knights to aid liswarte was to be the leader resolved to go also to his succour in that battle which would be a full perilous one so don quadragante and listeron of the white tower and Imoisil of burgundy and madansil of the silver bridge and their comrades made ready expecting when the kings would come over from the island one day Mabilia spake with oriana and told her it was ill-judged not to consider what Amadis might do at this time, perchance he might go against her father, and that would be evil to both, for if either were conquered, he would be slain. Oriana, acknowledging the truth of this, resolved to write to Amadis, not to go against her father, but to take the other side, if he pleased, or else remain in Gaul. This letter Mobilia enclosed and sent by a damsel who had presents from Queen Elysina when amadis received this so glad was he that certes he could not be gladder yet was he somewhat troubled not knowing what to do for to help king lisuarte he had no will and against him he might not be so with a countenance more cheerful than he was wont to show he went to his father and they sat together under the shade of some elms near the beach and talked together of sundry things but chiefly of the fresh news from britain there as they said they saw a knight come up upon a wary horse The arms which the squire carried were so hacked that the device could not be seen, and his harness was so broken that it was of no defence. The knight himself was large and well-limbed. They rose to receive him honourably as an errant knight. But coming near, Amadis knew his brother, Don Florestan, and said, Sir, you see here the best knight next to Don Galar, whom I know. Know that this is your son, Don Florestan. Right glad was the king, who had never seen him, though he knew his fame. He hastened faster to meet him, and Florestan alighted, and knelt down, and would have kissed his hand, but the king raised him, and gave him his hand, and kissed his mouth. Then took they him to the palace, and made him disarm and wash, and Amadis gave him rich garments which had never been worn. And then it appeared how fair he was, and of how goodly a person, that few were like him. And they led him to the queen, and to Melissia received him with such love as one of her own brothers for not less did she esteem him for his great worth in arms so in their talk they asked him of the news from great britain Sirs, quoth he the power of those kings is so great that our queen king Lizuarte can neither help himself nor his kingdom whereat seeing how things have been we need not grieve son don florestan replied the king I hold King Lizoarte, by all they tell me of him, to be such a one that he will come off with honour from this danger as he has heretofore done. But if it should be otherwise, we ought not to rejoice thereat. No king should rejoice at the destruction of another king, unless he have himself destroyed him for lawful causes, compelling him thereunto. When Amadis and Floristan had retired to their chambers and were alone, Floristan said, "'I came hither, sir, to seek you and tell you of a thing which I have heard everywhere and which grieves me to the heart. Let it not displease you to be told of it.' "'Brother,' replied Amadis, "'whatever you shall say, it pleases me to hear. If it be a thing to be amended, with your counsel, I will amend it.' "'Sir,' said Floristan, "'all people speak to your disparagement.' they say that you have unhappily forsaken arms and that for which above all others you were born amadis smiled and answered they think of me as they ought not henceforth i shall do otherwise and they shall say otherwise that night amadis could not sleep for thinking on two things what feats of arms he should perform that year to clean away his reproach and what he should do in this great battle to be against lisuarte his lady forbade him and reason forbade him to be for him because of the wrong which he and his lineage had endured but at length he resolved to go and assist him for two reasons because his force was much less in number than the enemy and because if he were conquered the land of lady oriana would be lost on the morrow amadis went with his brother to king perion and desiring all others to withdraw said to him sir i have not slept this night thinking of the battle which is to be between Lisuarta and the kings of the Isles, for so famous will it be, that all knights who follow arms ought to be there. And because I, having remained so long without exercising my person, have gained so ill a fame as you, my brother, know, I have resolved to be present, and on Lisuarta's side. Not for any love to him, but for two reasons because he is the weaker, whom all good knights therefore ought to succour, and because my intention is to die or to do my utmost, and if I should be against him, there would be with him Gallower and Quadagante and Dombrion of Monchaste, all with a like determination, and as they could not avoid encountering me, their death, or mine, would needs ensue. But my going shall be secret,' King Perion answered, "'Son,' i am the friend of the good and knowing this king to be one of the good it was always my will to aid him when i could and if i have refrained from it it has been because of your difference since this is your intention i will go also and sorry am i that it is so soon that i cannot carry the aid i should wish sirs said florestan when i remember the cruelty of that king how he would have let us die upon the field if it had not been for don and of his enmity against us, without cause. There is nothing in the world should make me consent to help him. But now, because you will go, and because I cannot serve against him, during the truce which Don Galvanus has made, I will go with you, and serve him, against my will. Full glad was Amadis at this. "'Your person and ourselves, sir,' said he, "'may well be accounted for many, and if you took forces, our going could not be secret.' now then let us provide arms whereby we may know each other and yet not be known by others come into my armory replied Perion, and let us choose the most forgotten and remarkable that we can find they went out into a court where there were trees and there came up a damsel richly clad on a goodly palfrey and three squires with her and a horse with a bundle she came up to the king who received her well and asked her if she came to the queen no said she i come to you and these two knights from the dame of the undiscovered island from whom i bring you gifts send away all your people and you shall see them the king bade them withdraw then she made her squires open the bundle and she took out three shields bearing gold serpents in a field azure so strangely fashioned that they seemed alive and the rims were of fine gold and precious stones she then took out three coat armours of the same device and three helmets but they were all different the one white which he gave with one suit to king perion and one of purple for florestan and one which was gilt to amadis and she said sir amadis my mistress sends you these and desires you will do better in them than you have done since you entered this land amadis feared she would reveal the cause and said damsel tell your lady that i value this counsel more than the arms good as they are "'and with all my strength will endeavour to obey her.' "'Sirs,' said she, "'my mistress sends you these "'that you may know and succour each other in the battle.' "'How knew she,' quoth King Perion, "'that we should be there when we knew it not ourselves?' "'I cannot tell,' replied the damsel. "'Only she told me I should find you all here in this place "'and give you the arms.' "'The king then bade them give the damsel food "'and entreat her honourably, "'and after she had eaten she departed for Great Britain.' whither also she was sent when amadis saw the arms ready he was impatient to be gone lest they should not arrive in time for the battle so the king ordered a ship to be ready in secret and on pretence that they went to hunt the mountain they departed and crossed over to that part of great britain where they knew that the seven kings were arrived they entered a thick wood where these men had pitched tents and from thence sent a squire to bring tidings of the seven kings and when the battle should be and they sent another messenger to king Lesuarte's camp with a letter to don galore as if from gaul beseeching him to send them tidings of the battle as soon as it was ended this did they for the greater secrecy the squire returned on the next evening and said that the army of the seven kings was without number and that there were strange people among them and diverse languages and that they were besieging a castle of certain damsels who were sorely distressed albeit that the place was strong He had also seen Archelaus, the Enchanter, with two of the kings, and heard him say that the battle ought to be within six days, for it would be hard to find food for so many. So these three remained pleasantly in the wood, killing birds with their arrows, who came to a fountain near them, and also beasts of venery. On the fourth day the other messenger returned, and told them how he had left Don Galar well and in good courage, so that the rest took confidence in him. "'When I told him your bidding, sir,' said he, and how you all three abode in Gaul, the tears came into his eyes, and he sighed, and said, O Lord, if it pleased thee that these were in these battle on the king's side as they used to be, I should have no fear. And he bade me say, that if he escaped with life he would inform you without delay of all that had passed. God preserve him, said they. Now tell us of King Lysartus' forces. He has a good company, sirs, and of good and well-known knights, but they say that it is little against his enemies, and he will within two days come up to succour the damsels who are besieged. And so it was, for King Lizoarte came and encamped upon a mountain, half a league from the plain where were the enemies, so that the armies were in sight of each other, but the army of the seven kings were twice as many. That night they prepared their arms and their horses for the battle on the morrow, now you are to know that the six kings and the other chiefs did homage to king aravigo that night that they would hold him for their chief in this battle and obey his commands and he swore to take no greater share of the kingdom than each of them only he required the honour presently he made the people cross a river that ran between them and king Lezuarte, and thus placed themselves near his army early on the morrow they armed and appeared before king aravigo so great a multitude and so well armed that they esteemed the others as nothing and said that since the king ventured to give them battle great britain was their own king aravigo divided his army into nine battalions each of a thousand knights but in his own he had fifteen hundred and he gave them to the kings and the other chiefs and placed them in close array king lisuarte appointed don grumadan and don Galaor and don quadragante and angriot of estravals to appoint the order of his battle for they were well skilled in all matters of arms presently he went down the side of the mountain into the plain and as it was now at that hour when the sun was rising it shone upon their arms and they appeared so well disposed that their enemies who had before held them as nothing now thought of them otherwise these knights whom i have named made five battalions of their people don brian of montgaste had the first with one thousand knights of spain whom the king his father had sent to lisuarte king Celdadan had the second with his own people and other troops which were appointed for him don galvanus had the third and gavarte his nephew who had come there more for love of him and his friends than for the sake of the king's service in the fourth went Giontes, the king's nephew with enough good knights king lisuarte led the fifth in which were two thousand knights and he besought don Galor and quadragante and Angriot of Estravas and gavart of the perilous valley and Grimond the brave to look to him and defend him for the which cause he had appointed them no command in this array which you have heard they moved slowly over the field one against the other at this season king perion and his sons amadis and florestan entered the plain upon their goodly steeds and with their arms of the serpents which shone brightly in the sun and they rode on to place themselves between the two armies brandishing their spears whose points were so polished and clean that they glittered like stars the father went between his sons much were they admired by both parts and each would willingly have had them on his side but no one knew whom they came to aid nor who they were They, seeing that the host of Brian of Monchasta was about to join battle, put Spur to their horses and rode up near to his banner, then set themselves against King Targadan, who came against him. Glad was Don Brian of their help, though he knew them not, but they, when they saw that it was time, rode to attack the host of King Targadan so fiercely that all were astonished. In that encounter... King Perion struck that other king so heartily that a part of the spear-iron entered his breast, and he fell. Amadis smote Abdazian the fierce, so that armour nothing profited him, but the lance passed through from side to side, and he fell like a dead man. Don Florestan drove carduel, saddle and man, under the horse's feet. These three, being the bravest of that battalion, had come forward to combat the knights of the serpents. Then laid they hand to the sword, and passed through the first squadron, felling all before them, and charged the second, and when they were thus between both, there was to be seen what marvellous feats of prowess they had wrought with their swords, such that none did like them on either side, and they had now under their horses more than ten knights whom they had smitten down but when their enemies saw that there were no more than three they charged them on all sides laying on such heavy blows that the aid of don brian was full needful who came up with his spaniards a brave people and well horsed and rode among the enemy slaying and felling them though his own men fell also so that the knights of the serpents were succoured and the enemy so handled that they perforce gave back upon the third battalion then was there a great press and great danger for all and many knights died on either side but what king perion and his sons did there cannot be expressed such was the uproar and confusion that king aravigo feared lest his own men who had given ground should make the others fly and he called aloud to Archelaus to advance with all the battalions and attack in one body this presently he did, and King Aravigo with him, but without delay King Lisuarte did the same, so that the whole battle was now joined, and such was the clang of strokes, and the cries, and the noise of horsemen, that the earth trembled, and the valleys rung again. At this hour, King Perion, going bravely among the foremost, had advanced so far into the enemy's ranks that he was well nigh lost, but presently was he succored by his sons, and many of those who struck at him were by them slain the damsels who were looking on from the castle cried out on knights on he of the white helmet does the best but in this succour the horse of amadis was slain and fell with him in the thickest press and the horses of his father and florestan were badly wounded they seeing him afoot and in such danger alighted and placed themselves by him there came up many to slay them and others to their help but in great peril were they and had it not been that they dealt about their blows so cruelly they had surely been slain now as king lizoarte went from one part to another with his seven companions he saw those of the serpents in what peril they stood and he cried out to gallower and the others now good friends let your worth be seen and let us succour those who have aided us so well at them quoth gallower they spurred their horses into the hottest of the throng till they came up to the banner of king aravigo who was crying out and encouraging his men king Lizuarte went on so fiercely with that good sword in his hand and gave so many and such mortal strokes therewith that all were astonished to behold him and his comrades scarce could follow him now for all the enemy could do could they prevent him from reaching the banner which he plucked from the standard-bearer and threw under the horses feet and shouted aloud clarence clarence for i am king lizoarte for this was his cry so much he did and continued so long among his enemies that at length his horse was slain and he fell being grievously bruised in the fall and they his friends who were at hand could not remount him but presently angriotta came up and archimon the brave and ladadin of farrake who alighted and with the help of his comrades placed him, maugre all the enemy's efforts, upon Angriotta's horse. Yet, though he was badly wounded and so bruised, he would not withdraw from thence till Archamon and Ladadin had brought to Angriotta another horse, one of those which he had appointed to be held in readiness for those who might want them. While this was going on, don gallower and Quadagante bore the brunt of the battle and there they well displayed their great courage in enduring and dealing mortal blows for know that if they had not resisted and kept back their opponents king de and his comrades had been in great danger when he was on foot the damsels from the tower cried out that the knights who bore the flowers did the best but notwithstanding all they could do they could not forfend but that king aravigo's people were getting the better and bravely recovering the field the principal reason hereof was, that two fresh knights had entered the battle so valiant and of such might in arms, that they expected by them to win the victory, weaning that there was no knight on the part of Lisuarte who could maintain the field against them. The one was called Brontaxer Domfania, the other Argomades of the Deep Island. He bore white doves upon a green field, the other bore them oar upon ghouls so huge of stature were they that their head and shoulder appeared above others in the battle while their lances endured no knight who encountered them could keep his seat when they were broken they laid hand upon their huge and uncommon swords what shall i say such blows they smote therewith that scarcely now could they meet with one to strike they had stricken such fear into all and then they went on clearing the field and the damsels on the tower cried knights fly not for these are men and not devils but their own party cried out aloud, King Lizuart is conquered. When the king heard this, he began to encourage his people, saying, I will die here or conquer, that the sovereignty of Great Britain may not be lost. The best knights then gathered about him, for there was great need. Now Amadis had taken a fresh horse and was waiting for his father to mount. When he heard that cry, King Lizuart is conquered, he said to Florestan, who was on horseback, What is this? or why do these misbegotten people shout he answered do you not see those two the strongest and bravest knights that ever were seen who slay and destroy all whom they find before them and though they have not appeared in the battle before now by their prowess make their party recover the field Amadis turned his head and beheld d'anfania coming towards him, smiting and overthrowing knights with his huge sword, which sometimes he would let hang from his wrist by the chain and seize the knights with hand and arm so that none remained in the saddle before him, and all fled as they could. Saint Mary help me, quoth Amadis, what is here?" then took he a strong lance from the squire who had given him the horse and remembering oriana in that hour and the loss which she would endure if her father perished he placed himself right in the saddle saying to florestan guard you our father by this Brontaxar drew near and seeing amadis make ready against him and how he wore the gilded helmet and remembering what great things had been said of him before he himself entered the battle he came on with a raging fury to encounter him and took a strong lance and cried aloud now shall you see a good stroke if he of the golden helmet will dare abide me and he struck spurs into his horse the lance being under his arm at rest and went against him the like did amadis They counted lance against shield, the shields failed, the lances brake, and the horses dashed against each other so furiously that each felt the shock as if he had struck against a rock. Brontaxar's head became so giddy therewith that he could not keep his seat. He fell upon the ground like one dead, and falling upon one foot by the reason of his great weight, he broke the leg just above it, and a piece of the lance remained sticking in his shield. The horse of Amadis staggered back two arms' length, and was ready to fall, but Amadis was so stunned that he could neither give him spur nor take his sword to defend himself from those who struck at him. King Perion, who had seen that huge Brontaxar, and the encounter which Amadis had given him, was much amazed thereat, and he cried, Lord God, preserve that knight! Now, son Florestan, to his succour! They pushed on so bravely that it was a wonder to behold them hewing and slicing till they came up to Amadis. And King Perion said to him, How now, knight? Courage, courage, for I am here. Amadis, though he had not wholly recovered his recollection, knew the voice of his father, and he took his sword, seeing how many were upon King Perion and Florestan, and began to strike at one and at another, though with little force and here must they have endured great danger because their enemies were in great strength and king Lizavarte's men had lost much ground and many were upon them to slay them and few in their defence but at this season agraeus and don galvanus and brian of monchaste succoured them who came up with design to encounter brontaxardamphania who had made the havoc you have heard they seeing the knights of the serpents in such peril came up like men whose hearts never failed in danger at their coming many of the enemy were smitten down and slain, and they of the serpents had room to strike with more effect. Now had Amadis recovered, and looking to the right he saw King Lizuarte with a company of knights awaiting King Aravigo, who came against him with the great power of men, and Argomades before them with two nephews of King Aravigo, both valiant knights king aravigo himself was crying out to encourage his men for he had heard it said from the tower how he of the golden helmet had slain the great devil then said amadis knights let us go help the king who is in need they moved on with one accord and entered through the press till they came up to king de he when he saw near him the three knights of the serpents was much encouraged for he had seen how he of the golden helmet had slain with one blow that so valiant brontaxardamphania and forthwith he advanced against aravigo argomadus came on sword in hand wielding it to strike at king Lezuarte. but he of the golden helmet stepped between and their battle was but of one blow he of the golden helmet raised his shield and met the other's sword the sword went through the rim a full palm deep and entered three fingers death into the helmet so that a little more and he had been slain. But Amadis smote him upon the left shoulder such a blow that it cut through the hauberk, though of such thick mail, and through the flesh and bone down to the ribs, so that the arm and half the shoulder hung dangling from the body. This was the mightiest sword-blow that was given in all that battle. Argomadus fled like a man beside himself, who knew not what he did, and his horse carried him whither he would, and they on the tower cried out he of the golden helmet has put the doves to flight one of aravigo's nephews who was named Ansidel, then made at amadis and struck at his horse's head which he cut clean across and the beast fell dead don florestan seeing this attacked him as he was boasting and smote him on the helmet that he bowed down upon his horse's neck then caught him by the helmet and plucked it from his head with such force that he laid him at the feet of amadis but florestan himself was hurt in the sight by the point of Ansidel's sword at this time the two kings and their people encountered and there was a fierce and terrible battle every one had then enough to defend himself and to succor those who were smitten down Durin, who had come hither to carry the first tidings of the battle to his mistress ariana was upon one of those horses which king niswarta had ordered to be led about the field for knights when they might stand in need of them when he saw him of the golden helmet afoot he said to the other pages who were on horseback i will go help that good knight to this horse for i cannot do better service to the king and making way where the press was least though to his own great danger he came up to him and said i know not who you are but for what i have seen you do i bring you this horse he lightly mounted and said to him in a low voice "Ah, friend Durin, This is not the first service that thou hast done me. Jurin took him by the arm. I will not let you go till you tell me who you are. He stooped down as low as he could, and answered lowly, Amadis, let no one know it except you know who. Then rode he forward into the hottest of the fray, doing such feats as if his mistress were then present to behold, because one was there who would know well how to recount them. King Lizuarte had now encountered Aravigo, knowing that he was the head and leader of his enemies, and had given him three such blows with his own sword that he withdrew behind his men, cursing Arcalaus the Enchanter, who had brought him there with hope to win the kingdom. Don Galor engaged Sarmadan, a valiant knight, and because his arm was weary now, and his sword blunted by the blows that he had dealt, he seized him in his strong grasp, plucked him from the saddle and threw him on his neck to the ground so that he died but as for Amadis, i tell you that remembering in that hour the time which he had lost in goal and how his renown had been diminished and reviled and that only by great prowess it could be recovered he did such deeds that none durst stand before him and with him went his father and Don Florestan, and Agraius and Don Galvanus, and Brian of Monchaste, and Noandel, and Guillon the Pensive, and King Lizuarte, who showed himself right valiant in that hour. So that they smote down so many of the enemies, and pressed them so closely, and struck such fear into them, that they could no longer endure it. But seeing King Aravigo had fled away wounded, they also took to flight, some toward their ships. Some to hide themselves among the mountains. But King Lisuarte and his companions in arms still pressed upon them. The most who escaped got into a ship with King Aravigo, but many perished in the water or were taken. By this, the night closed in. King Lisuarte turned back to the tents of his enemies and lodged there that night, being right joyful for the victory which God had given him. the knights of the serpents when they saw that the field was won and that there was no longer any opposition turned aside from the way which the king took and rode till they came to a fountain under some trees and there they alighted and drank and let their horses drink who had much need after the toil of that day as they were about to mount they saw a squire come up on horseback they put on their helmets that he might not know them and then gently called him he at first hesitated thinking they were his enemies but seeing the serpent-arms, approached. "'Good squire,' said Amadis, "'deliver, if it please you, our message to the king. Say to him that the knights of the serpents beseech him not to blame them that they have not spoken with him, because we are constrained to go far from hence to a strange land and put ourselves at the mercy of one who, we believe, will have none for us.' For our part of the spoils, let them be given to the damsels of the tower, for the losses which they have endured, and take back to him this horse, which I took from one of his pages in the battle, for we desire no other guerdon. The squire took the horse and departed, and they went their way to their tents in the forest, and there washed the blood and dust from their hands and faces, and did the best they could for their wounds, and ate their supper which was well provided for them, and soundly did they sleep that night. When King Lezuarte was in the tent of his conquered enemies, he asked for the three knights of the serpents, but all he could learn of them was that they had been seen riding full speed toward the forest. "'Perchance,' said he to Gallor, "'he of the golden helmet might be your brother Amadis, for what he did can be ascribed to no other but him.' "'Trust me, sir,' replied Gallor. "'it was not he, for not four days ago I received tidings that he was in Gaul with my father and our brother Florestan.' holy mary quoth le who then can he be galloir answered i know not but whoever he be god prosper him for with great toil and peril hath he won the honour and praise of prowess above all as they thus communed the squire came up and delivered his message much was the king troubled to hear that those knights went to encounter such danger but if amadis spake this in jest full truly did it turn out as shall be related the horse which the squire brought back dropped down dead at the king's feet with his wounds that night galore and Agrias and their friends lodged in the rich tent of archelaus in the which they found embroidered in silk the battle that he fought against amadis and how he enchanted him and many other things that he had done the next day the king divided the spoils giving a great portion to the damsels of the tower then gave he license to all his followers to depart whether they would and he himself went to a town called Gandapa, where were the Queen and Oriana. The joy which they had at meeting need not be told, for everyone, considering what had passed, may guess what it would be. End of chapter 5 of book 3